Welcome to the Como Politicast. I'm Jeff Podula. Four years, hundreds of millions of dollars, and it all comes down to this. Election day is here, and the direction of the country will be decided in the next few hours and days. And as a fiercely divided nation goes to the polls, we wanted to take a look back at the campaign itself and some final expectations for what is to come. Como's Charlie Harger spoke with Democratic strategist Kathy Allen and Republican strategist Randy Peppel. Let's start off with the presidential race. For both of you, what trends are you following? Let's start with Randy. The trend I'm following is what happens in Florida. That will be the first big state that will likely report a vast majority of their ballots on election night. The next big state, North Carolina, will not report most of their ballots. They'll be counting their mail-in ballots, Pennsylvania the same way. So to me, Florida is the key. If, If Donald Trump wins Florida, then we'll have to wait and see the rest of the results. If he loses Florida, there is not an electoral college path to victory for him. Kathy? I believe there is a path to victory, but it has to do with Pennsylvania. It also has for, to do with all of those really, I would say, closing gap uh, Senate races uh, with, as to whether or not what kind of uh, coattails the presidential has. And so I'm actually a, a little bit more confident Certainly not as confident as I was going into the 2016 race. However, I am um, I'm cautiously not optimistic. I'm just counting the minutes like everybody else. President Trump is doing all of these rallies. Uh, what do you think? Are they helping him draw more votes? No, it's yeah, helping. I do. Go ahead, Kat. I think, yeah, it is. If, if only that it makes me... Far more worried, only because I always compare he's doing five, Biden's doing one. I'm like, okay, now that's an equation that I don't like. The fact is, is that um, there's so much you can misread into every little darn thing when you get down to the last 48 hours that it's madness. Randy? My own view is that the rallies are not helping him uh, get new votes in terms of the people at the rallies, but he's setting the agenda each day. What happens at the rallies is what is covered by the news media. And whether it's a comment about uh, late ballots or mail-in ballots and we need to just count on election night, he's delivering those messages each day. And that's what the rallies allow him to do. And I think he's got five today, and that will be opportunities in five different media markets to drive that message home, not so much for the people who are going to the rallies, but for the people who are going to be reading about those rallies and consuming the news media about it. And let's stick with you, Randy. Do you buy the polling that shows big Biden leads in swing states? I believe the polling this time, just like I believe the polling last time of the people that they are polling uh, based on past elections. I think the polls are accurate. But in this covid election and turnout exploding like it is, it's hard to say that there is a past uh, precedent to look at for how it will turn out this time. So um, I do believe that Joe Biden is ahead uh, in most of the swing states. I believe he's certainly going to win the vote uh, nationally, but it's only going to take a few thousand votes in a couple of states, just like in 2016, when it was 77,000 votes across Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin that delivered the Electoral College victory for him. And that's all Donald Trump is looking to do is win by one in Pennsylvania, win by one in Florida, and you still get all the electoral votes. 
I think that I would disagree that those states, particularly the four that you mentioned right now, have perhaps the, the most, I would say, core value reasons why I believe they're going to stay healthily with with Biden, certainly Wisconsin, certainly Minnesota. I have to say that I feel very good, uh, particularly his roots in Pennsylvania, in terms of how growing up in you know, Scranton, give me a break. The important part I look at is there, there's reasons to believe that Biden's roots went much deeper in terms of those swing voters than they ever would have with, uh, with Hillary Clinton. And Kathy, let's stick with you. We have gotten accustomed to it taking days to count ballots here in Washington state. Uh, The president has said to basically say he wants the race declared tomorrow night. Is there a reason for concern here? Well, there's a reason only because he's playing to indeed a national audience so that if he says we want and now all they can do is steal it from us that he creates media like that. I was happened to hear this today, every station, including yours, taking a big, uh, I would say, giant step towards already refuting that, uh, knowing that he has this uh, actual event of his 400 nearest and dearest closest friends at the White House as returns come in. It's sort of a staging backdrop so he could actually make a an incredible kind of statement like that However, it is a matter of what are those numbers going to show? If he gets beaten all the East Coast early tri-states, I would say then good luck to him because he may he may need it just to be able to say anything tomorrow night. It's possible it's a blowout. Randy? My own view is that it is very dangerous to have a president of the United States calling into question the electoral system of the United States. I mean, first and foremost, full stop. No, you don't do that. We have to have faith in the election and the election process. And as a Republican, I went through the 2004 governor's race in Washington state and saw what happened in that race. When people don't believe the results, that's when you have violence in the street. And that's what Trump is unfortunately putting out as the forefront. He is encouraging his people to not believe the results if they aren't the ones they want. And that is the real concern. But the Democratic Party shares the blame in this because the Democratic Party has been telling us for six months the election is going to be stolen. You've got to get your vote in for early. We're going to change the rules of the election so that states that have never allowed this level of mail-in voting are going to do it. And by making all of those changes in an election year, they have created a situation where it will take longer to count votes. And that will give people like Donald Trump the ability to say, see, they're trying to steal it. And that's absolutely wrong. We know it in Washington state. Votes after election night are not tainted votes. They're not illegal votes necessarily. But instead, that's just the, the, the process. And he's trying to call the process in into question because he's not winning at it right now. Yes, and also the, the cost of, of an accurate election, as we learned early on, is really having it so that it is able to be counted in a reasonable form. You know, most of the uh, mistakes that are made in regards to any kind of election process are, are because people weren't paying attention. And so from that perspective, the vote by mail is has proven to be, uh, to quote our Republican Secretary of State, who has done a great job of making sure that we all understand why it's late, even the Seattle Times has taken to understanding it. It's like a very important part of this is that let the process do its job. Uh, Let's 
stick with you, Kathy. Um, this is a question I'm uncomfortable asking. Uh, you've no doubt seen the Trump people harass a Biden bus on the highway. They block bridges. Uh, and no doubt you've seen the rioting and looting by people on the far left. What is your level of concern for the threat of violence in the days following the election? It all depends, I suppose, on the turnout. But I suspect uh, I think we're going to have a lot of celebration and not necessarily the kind that break windows and scream and yell at each other. I tend to think it will be much more of a festive and positive time with everyone's expectations likely to wonder what comes next. Randy? Charlie, I I share your concern. Uh, I think that there is a real danger of violence because we've already seen violence in the streets all summer long in some of our major cities in the United States. And now you're going to have a situation where there's a good chance that the vote totals tomorrow night uh, are going to favor Donald Trump. His supporters are more likely to be voting at the polls. Those are the votes that are going to be counted on Election Day. And so it is very likely that he'll be ahead uh, on Tuesday night. And then we will see the lead start to slip away as other states start counting uh, their mail in votes. And the problem is each day that goes by, each hour that goes by where more votes are coming away and his lead is getting smaller, that his people are going to be believing that it's being stolen. And that's what can lead to violence. And frankly, on the left, there are some that are going to embrace it, just like on the far right. There are groups out there that want to embrace the violence. They want chaos. They are anarchists. And that is the danger that we're going to have. And next weekend, if we don't have a very clear uh, decision in the presidential race, that's going to be a day, a weekend that I'm staying indoors. Well, I could also say that that which gives me great hope that that's not going to happen is that the number of votes that have indeed come in now give me that sense of a real security blanket. And oh, by the way, in taking a look today at all of the estimates as to how many of those votes that have come in, you know, over a dozen states right now are saying they will have far more counted than they have ever had on an election night. And that has to do with things like the drop boxes. That has to do with all of the things that we've seen up here in Washington state. I think that young vote that came as a part of a lot of early unrest and anger against the Trump administration is what's going to actually get people out there and voting. But the problem with that, Kathy, is that in Pennsylvania, they are not even allowed to look. Yes, Ransom, you've said that many, 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 many times, but the fact is, is that that's one state, and that is the state I feel most likely is going to have those long, long roots of uh, of Biden, and they will have just as many people voting on Election Day as they have, indeed, been voting early. I don't believe that Pennsylvania can be blamed or characterized as holding the actual decision of who is the next president in the air. I don't believe you can blame uh, Pennsylvania one more time. I, well, I, I appreciate that, Kathy, but I, I tend to look at where the candidates are spending their time to decide where they think they need the most help. And the entire Biden campaign is in Pennsylvania tomorrow uh, and today. I mean, the, he's there. Kamala Harris is there. His wife is there. Her husband is there. I mean, they're putting all of their eggs in that basket. If they were secure about Pennsylvania, they would be somewhere else. And that's why I'm concerned, because under Pennsylvania law, they're not allowed to even start checking the signatures 
on the mail-in ballots until 7 a.m. tomorrow. And many of the county clerks have said, hey, at 7 a.m. tomorrow, we're getting ready for Election Day. We aren't even going to look at our mail-in ballots until Wednesday. And Pennsylvania is the tipping point state. If Florida goes for Trump, Pennsylvania or North Carolina is going to be the one that will determine whether or not he holds on. And so that's what I'm very concerned about. I'm actually not as concerned about Pennsylvania. I think he's putting a homecoming together that actually will indeed increase the number of people that will vote for him tomorrow. I think that there is something that we all know about the fact that roots go deep. And it's one of those things that you can you can argue about, but this is homecoming for him. And so I look at it as something that's going to be very good. If he could be anywhere, I would wish him to be in Pennsylvania. Okay, let's uh, move on. Um, For both of you, as far back as you can remember, does the level of stress for this election compare with anything? No. No, not even my very first race. When I was scared to death, freezing cold in Anchorage, Alaska, and sure that we were going to lose, we had never elected a Democrat for mayor. Not even then was I as stressed as I am now. So I look at this as sort of like so much to watch, so much to be able to kind of like gauge. my candidates always calling and saying, do you think that there's any chance that this could be blown? Do you think that this could be falling apart? No. It is just one of those things. It's like that Randy and I know there's always the difference. You know, are you are you praying for you for your side to win? Are you are you hoping it won't lose or are you just praying for it to be over? Hmm. Yeah. The consultants like Kathy and I uh, look at, at at the past to try to determine, uh, read those tea leaves for what's going to happen on Election Day. And unfortunately, uh, there is no comparison. There's nothing in the past for us to compare this to. Not just COVID, the the amount of early voting that's going on, the rioting that's been in the streets. These are things that are unprecedented. Now, in 1968, uh, we had an election where there had been it had been long, hot summer. There had been assassinations. I mean, we had gone through a turbulent time. The country was in a, a very unpopular war. And yet that doesn't even compare to where we're at today. And it's unprecedented in our lifetime. And and frankly, you have to go back to 1876, the Rutherford B. Hayes and Samuel Tilden election to look at an election that might come down to contested electoral votes that will be decided by Congress. That's a worst case scenario. And that's scary as hell. I also think that what we have now is we have always known that this electoral college sort of is um, that last patriotic glass ceiling, so to speak. What I believe is happening right now is that we have 50 states plus other territories that literally have different uh, frameworks for how they count votes, who can count when, can you still register on Election Day? With all of the diversity in how you vote, there's hardly a consistency in the base that you're going to actually be able to call for the whole country. So in that, the fact that what's different, particularly from 68, the first year that I voted, is that it's really one of those things that makes a very horrid kind of uh, time for trying to figure out who's on first and where the heck is second, because everything is so different state to state. That's increased in, in addition to... The turnout, the fact that this turnout could actually best all the way back over 100 years worth of voting here in terms of beating uh, the percentage proportionate to the population that we had in 1906. From that, can't beat it. 
You know, I thought I was older than Kathy, but I wasn't eligible to vote in 1968. That's because they had, <laughs> at that time where you were, they probably had literacy tests. But. <laughs> okay, let, let me ask a couple uh, Washington State questions uh, before I let you go. Um, and let's start with Randy with this one. Governor Inslee is apparently taking the day off from campaigning today. Is that a good strategy? Well, he doesn't uh, get to host one of his taxpayer-sponsored uh, press conferences where he trots out people to say good things about what he's doing, takes one question from the press, and goes off into the sunset. Uh, Jay Inslee's taken the whole year off of campaigning once he got his butt kicked in the presidential race. And uh, it, it doesn't say anything to me other than the fact that Jay Inslee is likely to win uh, re-election, unfortunately, but that's the nature of, of the vote in this state. I'd be far more concerned if I saw some of the people who had real campaigns taking the day off uh, as, a, as opposed to Jay Inslee. Kathy? What it looks to me, I have to say that it's not the actual statewide races that are really stunning to me. I don't think any of them is really in doubt, maybe one. But the fact is, is that what really is there is taking a look at the phenomenal number of, I would say, state legislative races that have raised over $5 million each. In doing the final numbers, today there was the actual, uh, I think, the listing of the most money raised in the last week. Um, in terms of the state house races and the number of those houses that have uh, house races that have now ended up with probably three times as much raised for that whole race as we had just two years ago. I mean, it's really phenomenal how much money. Can, and I'm looking at my Democratic side. We are outraising those uh, Republican candidates substantially, substantially. And so I look for pickups of both the state house and Senate tonight. And Charlie, on on the on the taking the day off, Jay Inslee didn't have his fundraiser taking the day off. I've already gotten two emails from him, uh, begging for more money that they won't use, uh, since he's leaving most of it in the bank to help him try to buy favor with those that might uh, get him appointed to a uh, position in Washington D.C. I guess I also, uh, Randy's got a point. I have 134 requests for money today. For the last time, I promise you, this will be the last time, which was a point that they did. Friday and Saturday and all of these things notwithstanding, it's huge how the internet has been used as that last source of possible pennies to dollars. And it really has been 134 and it's it's not even news. Well, you know, one of the great things about being a reporter is we can't donate to campaigns. So I, I haven't gotten any of these requests that uh, you guys have. So uh, you're not missing anything. <laughs> Maybe missing that anything. something. All right, uh, let's uh, talk about the two close congressional races. Uh, let's start with Kim Schreier versus Jesse Jensen. How close will this be, Kathy? Not close at all. She's going to win by double digits, and I think it, it has never been in doubt since we started. In fact, in just taking a look at it, I've yet to see any ads whatsoever in regards to her opponent. And I've just got to say, I, I don't think, I think that Carolyn Long and um, uh, uh, Congresswoman uh, Herrera, I think that race is far closer. And I think that one will be decided by less than 5%. Where is this one? You got double digits, at least 10% between uh, Schreiner and Schreiner. It's interesting to hear Kathy ignore the results of the primary in that way when Jamie Herrera-Butler won by double digits in the primary rematch against Carolyn Long. Carolyn Long was under 40 percent, and she's not going to win tomorrow. 
Schreier uh, race. Schreier was at 43% in the primary. Democrats total were only 47%. There's something going on in the 8th Congressional District, and they have not embraced uh, 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 Dr. Schreier. And I think that she is in real danger uh, of losing. What I've been surprised by is the lack of investment by either side in that race, which would generally tell you and, and that you would feel like Kathy feels, very confident in a big victory because of the lack of spending. Uh, but still, that primary number uh, looks to me like she hasn't solidified her support in the district. And uh, no amount of money is necessarily going to be able to buy that uh, in this type of election year when you're looking at an 80 percent plus turnout. And you're also looking at which one is a Republican and in a state and even now this district that is very definitely anti-Trump. Well, instead of that, I would also offer that you haven't really given Carol and Long her due. That race right now is red hot. It's on. She got 39 percent of the vote, Kathy. She's done. All of those races done. Called as the top ten for the state house for the United States congressional races. She's been on the list since day one of those closest races likely to be in the state. This race right now is forty nine, forty eight, two percent undecided. I got to tell you, I think that it's going to be another one of these nail biters. And I think to go back to the primary election, yeah, you did that last time, and she almost won. Kathy, you and I both know that there is no congressional race in the country where 98 percent of the people have already decided who they're voting for. That's that shows a fake poll. And that's what Carolyn Long has been putting out since the primary. And yes, it was rated as a top 10 race, Kathy, before the primary. But after the primary, it was immediately moved down the priority list because of her performance. She didn't resonate. She has not run a good campaign and she's going to lose. Randy, you don't know that. That's the first state. That's the actual congressional district I came to this state to actually work on. And and those people have an incredible, incredible, I would say, working class, non-elitist background. If only they show up. And right now, what they're looking at is they're looking at, yes, Clark County right now is looking at being one of the three counties that actually has a a, a 88 to 90 percent turnout. With those people turning out, a lot of young voters, a lot of, uh, I would say, working families that you're going to find that could put uh, Carolyn Long over the top. And I bet it does. Okay, Uh, two quick questions. It's a day before the election, Randy. You have been here before with candidates. What is it like for the candidates right now? Well, again, this is atypical because normally you would be spending 20 hours today out talking to voters. You'd be you'd be on the streets. You start you would start the day waving signs. You would be taking advantage of the sun that we're having today, uh, you know, to, to get out and about. And you would just be running for 20 hours a day. Now they're sitting at home with their thoughts. I'm sure that they're working the phone banks and doing stuff like that. Um, Looks like we lost him. So what about you, Kathy? What, what are you doing on a day like this? I feel the same way. What's happening today is it's sort of like Everett. It's suspiciously quiet. It's unnervingly stressful. It's filled with um, how slow the time goes. Now, we faced a time early in the pandemic when everything seemed to slow to a stop and you couldn't believe we were home for a whole two, three weeks. Well, now, all summer, things sort of raced by. And what we now find is that, you know... <laughs> 
Now, you seem to have stopped before the election, that things are moving really slow. And you have too much time to listen to too much commentary from too many people. And you sit there and say, oh, my gosh, I'm stressed now. Now I'm really stressed. So all of that is to say, yes, I think candidates are impossible. I have the same candidate calling me four times a day saying, you know, I just thought of something else that, you know, we could lose this. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not going to lose that. You'll be fine. You talk, you have to t- I've talked so many people off of the cliff today. I doubt that there is any left. So, yeah, Charlie, I sorry about cutting out there, but um, <laughs> I think that Kathy's absolutely right. There are so many things that candidates are unable to do because of COVID in this election year. But the one thing they are able to do is call their consultant and their campaign manager <laughs> and in panicked over the one penny that they dropped on the ground and they've got to find that penny. You know, that's the type of uh, activity that makes this day before the election probably even more painful uh, for some of the political operatives out there. All right. Yes, it's a matter of, in so many ways, it's a matter of superstition managing to overwhelm good luck. That's what's happening right now is that there's more people that are trying to figure out, well, maybe if I do this, if I do this like we did it the first time. No, no. It's a matter of turnout. It's a matter of just uh, actually how much time did you actually get in front of a candidate that you could depend upon was helping to at least get them to remember your name. Okay, Kathy, uh, at the risk of uh, repeating some trauma that you had on election night 2016, Randy and I both saw it. Uh, 78 days from now, what's the name on the mailbox outside the White House? I believe it's going to be Joe Biden. Randy? Uh, occupant. <laughs> I, I, I believe that uh, uh, former Vice President Biden is going to get elected, but I think we're going to see a lot of turmoil between now and that inauguration day. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but there are just too many factors in play right now that are creating uncertainty. Uncertainty leads to lawsuits. Lawsuits will lead to a lot of consternation and, and, and people being angry. And it will take the better angels on the part of all of us to not turn this into a violent episode because our person didn't win. And that's what we really have to watch, I think, over over the next two months. But I think it's going to be Vice President Biden. I don't think it's going to be uh, as big an electoral victory as Donald Trump had in 2016. But I think it will be a bigger uh, margin in the national vote. Uh, It'll be more than the 3 percent that Hillary Clinton uh, or the 2 percent she won by last time. Any reaction to that, Kathy? No, I think that in all of this, I really think that the Electoral College is something that we have been watching in terms of, and right now, our remember, the actual uh, states that we contended would be crucial to a Biden win uh, are 13 states, not just nine. The fact is, is that we've watched them as they've gone through many ups and downs. And actually, I have to say that uh, just a week ago was the first time that I actually looked at all of them and said, there's only two I think we could lose of those. Now, these are those that we have been watching and actually seeing the numbers, looking at polls. And I, too, was, was with Randy and believing that the polls last time Uh, were not nearly as inaccurate as I thought when I was looking at the final numbers. 
fact is, is that even in looking at Florida today, I must say that we're looking at uh, competing sets of numbers that are not far apart. I do think that the, the fact is that the turnout will be, again, the decider in Florida, and that looks good for us. That's Democratic strategist Kathy Allen and Republican strategist Randy Peppel talking with my colleague, Charlie Harger. And that's all the time we have for this episode of the Como Politicast. Of course, we're going to have more as the votes roll in and the races are called. Just keep an eye or an ear on this feed. And if you like the show, please leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. And for more, be sure to check out our other shows, such as Como News This Week, Life Beat with Marina Rockinger, and our hourly news updates. All are available at comonews.com slash podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening, and above all, vote. Vote.